Good morning and welcome to all our city-based family and friends. It's great to have you with us again. And what a privilege it is to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. Over the last few weeks, we've been doing a series on leading ourselves. And this week, I want to continue with the series. And all of us need to grow and mature in our walk with the Lord. We cannot remain babies in the Lord. There has to be a maturing that takes place. And part of that maturing needs to happen in the area of our spiritual gifts. So as an introduction, um, if the central theme of heaven is the presence of God, shouldn't that be ours too? Our Christian life should be more than just a devotion in the morning or in the evening, but rather being conscious of His presence all the time. And Psalm 105 verse 4 says this, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. And what I'm speaking about today has nothing to do with being spooky spiritual, where we are so heavenly focused that we are of no earthly good. This is not being over the top spiritually, but rather endeavoring to live a life, to live like Jesus did when he said in John 5 verse 19, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. I believe that this is the way we should live our lives, doing what the father does. Is it possible for the church, the body of Christ, to be so hungry for the presence of God that our lifestyles are shaped by Him and that we don't have to wait to die and go to heaven before we can begin to experience some of heaven's um, realities now? And I really do believe that it is possible. Both John and Jesus made this radical statement. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The gap has been breached by Jesus. The dividing wall or the dividing curtain has been broken down and we have access to what is in heaven here on earth today. The church of Jesus Christ has caused itself so many problems in this area of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we basically put a stop to it just in case something gets out of hand. But Jesus even gave us guidelines to follow to prevent this from happening and prevent things from getting out of hand. So we do not have to fear the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We should embrace them and use them for the glory of God. I'm trusting this morning that what I share on this subject, that it will cause you to hunger, not just in the church environment, but also in your own personal life for all that is on offer by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are precisely that. They are gifts, God's gifts, given to His people for the extension of His kingdom and for His glory. This means that they are good and they are not evil, because everything that comes from God is good. Did you hear? Everything that comes from God is good. It is not evil. Because of the abuse or the ignorance of these gifts found in 1 Corinthians 12, many wonderful Christians have sidelined them and as a result have ended up protecting the church from what God considers to be not good 
but also necessary. Imagine a birthday or Christmas without gifts. It just sounds ridiculous. And it's the same in the church. Imagine the church without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't be right to not have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts are not to be put on a shelf and left there in their wrapping paper. And I was listening to a story that someone told me of this young little boy. Whenever he got a new toy, he never took it out of the box. He always kept it in the box and it went on the shelf and he never played with him. The cars and the toys that he'd play with were the neighbor's ones, but his ones were all kept beautiful and slightly boxes. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are there for us to use. They are not to be put on the shelf. They will not run out. They will not break. God wants us to use them. They gain value from being used, not from sitting in their packaging looking all new. And I'm trusting that through what he shared, that you will have a desire, that there will be a desire birthed in you for the true biblical demonstration of the genuine gifts in our lives and in the church again. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and then from verse 4 to 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between Spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So I just want to read some helpful comments regarding this 1 Corinthians 12, Gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Lester Sumrall says this, 90% of the church doesn't know about spiritual gifts. That which you are ignorant of, you cannot use. Derek Prince wrote this, or said this, You have to risk when it comes to operating in the gifts. People who don't risk, don't experience the gifts. Rob Warner, The correct response to misuse is not disuse, but the right use. John Wimber had this to say, The kingdom is the invasion of God's rulership in the domain of Satan. When Jesus came, war was declared. It is a cosmic war. The war was won in the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus. We now live between the times. The war is won, but the battle continues. In these ongoing battles, God gives us gifts along with the armor of Ephesians 6, to wage war. 
So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at these gifts. It's not a full study, but more an overview. Something just to stir up a hunger inside you for more of what the Holy Spirit has to offer. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we've read about in Ephesians 12 can be put into three main categories. The vocal gifts, which has to do with prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Then there's the revelation or gifts. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. The power gifts, faith, healing, and working of miracles. Corinthians 14 verse 1 says this. It gives us permission to desire all the nine gifts. It says pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. If God in, sorry, if God encourage us, encourages us to desire them, then surely His will is to give us them if we ask Him. So we're going to look at the first vocal gift, which is prophecy today. And um, I'm not going to go into what a prophet is, but we're just going to be looking more at prophecy. And today, especially in Africa, it has become a big thing to be called a prophet. It has become a way of manipulating people into giving away their hard-earned money. And it's just another clever way criminals have come up with to steal valuable people, uh, vulnerable people's money. And because of this, many people and churches are scared when they hear someone prophesy or hear that someone with the gift of prophecy is coming to the church. And I want to say that this is not the way God intended it to be. God is wanting to restore authentic prophecy back into the church, not the weird and manipulative stuff that most of us have been exposed to or heard about, but true Holy Spirit-inspired prophecy. So what is prophecy? Prophecy is a supernatural enabling by the Spirit of God to hear His voice and then deliver the message of what that voice is saying. As a child of God, I believe that you cannot prophesy what is on God's heart without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you are prophesying without God, then you are not prophesying from the correct source. The difference between psychics and prophets of God are the source of their revelation. We get our source directly from the Holy Spirit. And biblical prophecy is speaking the words of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And to do this, you have to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. In other words, we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is inspired through a picture, an expression that causes people to be strengthened, encouraged, or comforted. And this is the main purpose of prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 from the NRV says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And for the person who receives a prophecy, it can be a profound moment in their life, a life-changing experience. What do I mean by this? So let's say, for example, you've been praying into a new job, and you are not entirely sure what you should do. 
you're feeling drawn in a certain direction, but you still want to make sure that your decision is from God. You're wanting a revelation from God. So he sends someone across your path who says to you, I got this picture or this dream from God or this word from God. I don't know what it means. And they share the picture or the word with you. And all of a sudden, it makes so much sense to you and it brings clarity into your life about the choice that you need to make. So who is it that can prophesy? <clears throat> I believe that everybody has the ability to prophesy, but not all people will choose to prophesy. Some people are scared of prophecy. Others feel um, it is only for the super spiritual or that they are not called to do it. Because it is the Holy Spirit that is, given, that is giving us revelation in the first place. All believers can do it. Many times we are just too busy to listen or to ask for what God is wanting to say to somebody. And so in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And in verse 39, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And then like I mentioned earlier, there are also those who walk in the office of a prophet, as we find in Ephesians 4. And in this case, their level of prophecy will be a lot more weightier. And Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, God uses us as his vessels to bring these words or pictures or prophecy to his people. And because of this, our personality will come through when we are prophesying. For example, someone may who is, hum who is a, a humorous person, when they prophesy, it may come out more humorous. While for others, it may come out more serious. For those who are musicians, God can use them to prophesy through a song or on an instrument. It's all as the Holy Spirit leads the person. Often the gift of prophecy com is combined with the word of knowledge to give revelation about an individual or a congregation. For example, um, while prophesying, prophesying over someone, God may reveal to you something from their past that he wants you to share with him. But when he does this, he will never do this to humiliate or embarrass you, but rather to help you realize that he has always been with you. And the result of that prophecy or that word should be to strengthen, to build you up and to encourage you. Prophecy is a gift given to everyone who desires it. In this area of prophecy, we need to be careful that we do not become proud or take the glory for ourselves. All the glory goes to and belongs to God. And prophecy comes from him. The word is coming from him. So we cannot become proud in ourselves and think to ourselves, yeah, look at what I did. God's God desires every Christian to function 
and be a blessing. No one person is more important than the other. And we can't think that because we've got the gift of prophecy that we are more important than someone else. So things to ask about prophetic words that are given to you. So when someone comes up to you and they say they've got a prophetic word for you, you need to ask yourself these questions. Does it line up with scripture? And the more you know the Bible, the easier it is to discern whether prophecy is from God or not. Secondly, does it witness with your spirit? Third, does it lift your spirit? Just because someone has delivered a word to you, you don't have to take it on. The scripture says judge it, sift it, eat what's good, spit out the bones. In other words, there may be a mix of God and the person's soul or flesh in the word, but it's up to us to learn how to judge it, to sift through it and see what is from God and what comes from man. And with prophecy, there are some do nots that we need to be careful of. So don't use it for Christian fortune telling or for manipulating people. We are good at that. God said you must. No, God never said anything. We are all responsible in hearing God for our own lives. Don't let a prophecy, um, sorry, don't lean on prophecy to know what to do. And many people do that. They, they want a word, they, they're continually wanting a word from God to know what they should be doing. But they themselves are not going before God to find out what he is saying. And they're relying on other people. And this is a dangerous place to be because the devil will send someone across your path, a false prophet, and you will be led astray. So you need to be hearing from God for your own life. Don't be relying on prophets to tell you what to do in your life. You hear from God. And then when someone does come up to you and give you a word, then you judge, does that word line up with what God is saying? Don't use prophecy to scold people. Remember, it's there to exhort them. Be careful when prophesying and giving direction over business deals or male and female relationships. That it does not remove the responsibility from the person receiving the word. Prophecy can confirm these areas, but it shouldn't direct them. Again, it's important to be hearing God for yourself. So that what is spoken of you is a confirmation of what you are hearing and feeling. Do not glibly prophesy that God is going to heal someone. And this thing has caused so much hurt and confusion in the body of Christ. And people out of the goodness of their hearts sometimes confuse compassion with the word from God. And they say God's going to heal this person, but they actually haven't heard that from God. And then when the person is not healed, they feel embarrassed and the people who are believing God for healing are hurt. So don't do that. And also don't go around calling yourself a prophet. It's not helpful. Also avoid excessive emotions when prophesying. What happens is when 
you do this, it takes the focus off of God and onto you instead. But that being said, there are times when the Holy Spirit does overwhelm you and you cannot hold back the tears and emotions. That's fine. But just watch that it's not drawing attention to yourself. You know, so I want to say, don't be weird when prophesying. This has damaged the prophetic ministry. Be yourself, be authentic, but also be aware of people around you. Coach and explain um, unusual behavior to them. What do I mean by this? Like on the day of Pentecost, we see Peter get up in Acts 2 verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. See, and Peter just needed to explain to the people what was going on. And so when we are prophesying and there are things that are going on that are maybe a little bit weird, just explain to the people what's happening so that they know, so that they don't become offended, they don't uh, become fearful. We don't want this to happen. So there are some practical things when prophesying that we, we need to just be careful of. Speak clearly, don't mumble. Second one is speak naturally. When we start prophesying, we don't put on the these and the thous and go back to the old English. This doesn't impress God. It doesn't impress the people we are speaking over either. Be yourself and speak naturally. Also, it's important to stop when you feel the flow stop. Don't try and make up stuff. Um, just to make somebody happy. If you're not hearing from God, don't say anything. And also on this, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So you can stop at any time. It's not that now you have to carry on the whole night through. You can stop it when you want to. Then if a word is directional, it needs to go through the elders. Remember that when it comes to direction, discipline and doctrine... This is left up to the elders. So when a word um, is brought that is going to bring direction, discipline or doctrine, it needs to go through the elders because they are the ones who need to judge whether this word is from God or not. And then another really helpful tip is if you are going to uh, prophesy over somebody, record the word or get them to write it down. So that they can go back and look at that word. How many times haven't we been given a word from God? And a few hours later we forget what was said. So it's important. If they've got a cell phone, tell them to switch it on to record and record the message. Then they can go back and they can listen to it over and over again and chew on it and, and let it become life to them. So what are some of the things that can cause prophecy to become dormant? Fear. Unbelief. Being in a controlled environment. Passivity. And neglect. How do we activate the gift of prophecy? It's simple. 
All we have to do is ask God for it and desire it. Stir up the gift. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Practice prophesying. And when you do ask the person what you have shared with them, does it make sense to them? And it's important to ask this because then we learn to know, are we actually hearing from God ourselves? And it helps us to grow in this area and become more bold. So how to stir up the gift of prophecy in our own lives? We need to maintain a good devotional life. In other words, be in tune with the Father. Expect God to speak through you. And to do this, you need to step out in faith. Then we need to focus our attention to listen. In other words, tune into listening mode, not into talking mode. We need to listen what the Holy Spirit is saying. Get all the other noises out of our head. Identify what God is giving you and then step out. Trust God for prophetic words on a regular basis to, for people that you know and for people that you don't know. And then remember that God always has something to say. So for me, I trust that with what I've had to share with you this morning will just be an encouragement to you, those who do prophesy, to continue to do so. And for those who aren't in the habit of doing it, that it will cause you to become more hungry and want to do it on a more regular basis. For those who have never prophesied before, that this will cause you to ask God to help you in this area so that you can prophesy. What's also good is go and be trained in it. Let others who are operating in the gift help you to hone your gift, to become better at it. If you want to prophesy, you need to desire the gift. Thank God for it and then step out in faith and do it. And we can do this. God wants us to do it. All it takes from us is to have a desire. So I'm trusting that I've stirred up something inside your heart to want to be able to prophesy. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you that you love each and every one of us. And Lord, we see in your word that you said that we must desire to prophesy. Father, I pray that there will be a desire inside of your people to want to prophesy, to want to go and give a word of encouragement to someone who is in desperate need of just a word from God that will help them to get through the situation that they are facing. Father, I pray that you help us to tune our ears into what you are saying. I pray that we will take time out to just listen for the voice of your Holy Spirit. And then, Father, when you speak, 
that we will be bold enough to take what you have shared with us and go and tell somebody about it. That we won't hold it to ourselves, but we will go and share with those people. Father, I thank you that in our church, we are going to see our people moving forward in this area of prophecy. And our people are going to, to really be good at prophesying, prophesying accurately from hearing from you, from the word of God. And Lord, these prophecies are going to impact the hearts and lives of people. So I thank you for this morning and for the privilege of being able to share with your wonderful people. Father, I pray that you be with us this week, that you protect us. Father, I pray for our people that, Lord, none of them will catch this coronavirus either. Protect them from it, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful day.